It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products, organic remedies to a variety of ailments that uh, you may be dealing with out there. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. Check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com, or you can visit one of their four locations. Uh, they've got stores in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and of course, that store in Knoxville, just across from Trader Joe's there and uh, the, the Barnes & Noble bookstore right there on Kingston Pike. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Tons of things to get to in this podcast, guys. we got a lot to dive into. The Tennessee basketball team getting ready for the SEC basketball tournament in Tampa coming up later this week. Uh, obviously, it was a big weekend on the recruiting front with Tennessee getting a couple of commits, including a transfer, uh, they had a, a bunch of high-profile guys in town. Basketball had prospects in town as well. Let's start a little bit with hoops, Rob Lewis, and, and let's talk a little bit about this 78-74 win over Arkansas. Um, Tennessee, terrific in the first half, poor in the second half. Um, now it's to, to get on to the SEC tournament. But what, what do you make of, of Tennessee as they close out the regular season? Anything changed with your viewpoint on the Vols? No, not at all. And I, and I guess some people were upset with the, you know, the second half. I can I can promise you in talking to the head coach, talking to assistant coaches, nobody on that staff was surprised that Arkansas came back in the second half. And I think they were, they were more surprised. They were about 21. And they were kind of, you know, I'm not saying they wish it had been a six or eight point game. For sure, they, they were glad to be at 21. But they just kind of knew how it was going to go. Like, their guys were going to play a little, like, we've got this big lead, let's not screw it up, and Arkansas was going to come out and play with their hair on fire, which, which is what they did in the second half. How big of a concern is it for you, Kennedy Chandler's free throws, as you get ready for postseason play? I mean, I, at this point in time, you got to look at the body of work. I mean, the kid's shooting, what, 53% in SEC play? You have to say it's a concern. I mean – But, yeah, I, what, five for six from three. Yeah, I know. It's, you know, it's all mental. It is totally all mental because I mean he's a, I mean he's a really good free throw shooter. I mean I bet if you charted him in practice, I bet he shoots eighty five or ninety percent, and then he goes out there against Arkansas and airballs it. You know, airballs one in the first half. So you know when you have a guy, I mean he's got to be on the floor at the end of the game, and there's no, there, I don't I don't care if he's shooting twenty five percent, he's still going to be on the floor at the end of games. So, I mean I, I I'm not one who you know. This discards percentages and say he'll make them when they count. I mean, I, I think he's got to prove it. And I, I think you do worry about it. Do, do you? I mean, he's got to be on the floor for speed and, and the ability to finish at the rim. But do they do they keep the ball away from him in, in obvious I mean, foul situations? Well, I think it's going to Zakai in obvious foul situations. I mean, I think he dropped he's dropped off a little bit because he missed two on Saturday. But he, he has been the leading free throw shooter in the SEC for most of the year. So yeah, I don't think there's any question that when you're inbounding the ball up three with 29 seconds left, you're looking for number number five. Well, he's most likely Our to Santiago, get open, Hubs. Right. Yeah, but he – that's what I was going to say. He's most likely to get open while Vescovy is so rock solid at the line, he can't shake defenders as easily as Z can. Yeah, I'm just talking about between those two, between Chandler and, and – Sure. And, 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 sure. and Ziegler is your point guard. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds in the second half against Arkansas – is, is that just a situation where you lost, Tennessee lost their edge because they were so good 
um, rebounding. And I may have my numbers wrong, but it felt like they gave up a bunch. Um, they were so good uh, on the offensive rebounding front against Auburn, Rob. Um, body of work, again, I mean, you feel comfortable about where this team is from a rebounding standpoint, considering what you thought they would be this year? Yeah, way better. And I, I mean, I think that was a real anomaly against Arkansas because before that, Tennessee had been really, really, really good in, in limiting opponent second-chance opportunities. Um, Arkansas got 12 in the second half, and that's just not something – Tennessee has done at all. I mean, they, they've been really good at it. In fact, I want to – they it had been a struggle early in the season. I mean, something that, that really was something that Rick hit him over the head with just about every day in practice. And uh, it, as it became more of a point of emphasis, it's something they got better with. They were like – they were in the 50s as far as offensive – you know, allowing opponent offensive rebounds nationally, you know, around January, early January, and they finished in the top 30. So they, they got – February in particular, they, they got a lot better at that. So, I mean, they, they certainly dropped the ball against Arkansas, but uh, I don't think that's going to be something that's going to be an Achilles heel. You know, it's interesting. This team, Rob, has not played with huge leads really like they had against Arkansas. That's, I mean, they, they've had games where they've been comfortable and in control, but they haven't had anything really like that. I mean, just – team just lost their edge at the half which is a common mistake a common thing that happens i mean it's, yeah i mean I, th I think that's what happened that's exactly. just the bottom bottom line takeaway and, and like i said i mean i talked to some you know some people run the program and they could feel it in the locker room it wasn't a, like it wasn't and I, i'm not being critical because i think this is a natural response for a team in that situation it wasn't like it was less like hey let's keep kicking their ass and more like hey let's don't screw this up you know which i, I think you know lends itself to not necessarily play intense, but you like you said. I mean, they just, they, they just lost their edge a little bit, and and it's not a position they have been in a ton against a quality opponent like that. I mean, I guess they opened it up on Kentucky a little bit, but not you know fifty to twenty nine at halftime. Right, right, and certainly not even close to, to to being that way. And again, Arkansas can, can score and and you know was not going to go quietly into the night. That 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 was that was for sure. So Tennessee goes to Tampa. Um, we're still not sure why they're playing this thing in Tampa, but anyway, the SEC is playing it in Tampa, uh, which will not be a packed house down there, Rob. Uh, but do you like the way this bracket sets up for Tennessee? I like it a lot. I mean, I, I think to me personally, I, I think Tennessee, Kentucky are the best two, or t Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas are the best three teams. I know Auburn is, you know, won the league. Auburn also had, had a, if you go and start breaking it down, Arkansas had a pretty – I'm not saying they had an easy schedule. They had a more fortunate – Auburn had a more fortunate schedule than Tennessee or Kentucky in, in terms of, you know, they Auburn didn't play at Kentucky. Um, you know, Tennessee played – Tennessee didn't have to play at Auburn, but they played at, you know, at Kentucky, at Arkansas. Um, Kentucky, Tennessee played LSU twice. Kentucky played LSU twice. Kentucky played Alabama twice. Um Tennessee played Arkansas twice. There's, Auburn did none of those things except for played Alabama. Um, so, and I just I'm not crazy about Auburn's guard play. So I think the I like the chances of the winner of whoever wins Saturday in Kentucky and Tennessee's bracket. I mean, I think Alabama has the potential to knock Kentucky off. I certainly would not predict it. And I really like Tennessee's draw where they're catching either Mississippi State or or South Carolina. Um, the winner of that game. On uh, on Friday at six o'clock, I I think you know the, the 
alternative to that was facing LSU, who, you know, I, not playing great, but we certainly had, saw them handle Tennessee pretty easily early in the season. And, and the other two up top are Texas A&M and Florida. And I would like to – I like Tennessee's chances against both those teams. Man, Texas A&M is – you catch them on the wrong night, and, and they can give you some problems. Yeah, they can. I mean, they're they're an interesting team that, that is you hard think we, to Have you out. ever seen a I – mean, however, I don't know. It's maybe happened. They had five teams finish nine and nine. It's crazy, isn't it? In the league. It's, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, it's pretty pretty nuts kind of what, what this league is. I, I – I'm still trying to figure out why Arkansas is a good basketball team. Like, 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 you, it, like to me, it's like the collection of their parts and they complement each other, I guess, you know, JD Note is obviously a really good player, but, 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 but it's, it's hard for me to look at them and figure out why they may be the team that is as scary as anybody in this league. I can promise you Tennessee people around Tennessee's program feel that way and talking with them this weekend after the game. There's a lot of respect for that Arkansas team. And now I, um, you, you just mentioned JT Note, but that's a guy that can go out and get you 30 points. But Williams is a good player. I mean, almost averaging a double-double for the year. He's second leading rebounder in the SEC. They've got big guards. And that's that's something I, I'm i surprised didn't give Tennessee a little more trouble on Saturday because they, you know, and it works both ways. I mean, I think it's tough for those bigger guys to match up with Kennedy and, and Zakai. Outside, you know, outside of Note, they're big on the wings. They're, they're pretty deep and just athletic. And, and I think Musselman's a good coach. But I think some people – I get why some people don't like his antics. But I, I think the guy can coach, and, and they play hard on defense, really hard. Yeah. yeah, they certainly do that. They were they were really hard defensively in the second half, got after it. Tennessee fins, it finishes unbeaten at home. Um, how impressive is that? And, and how impressive, Rob – of a, of a venue has Thompson Bowling Arena become in this league in terms of other teams, you know, having to deal with that? Because it's the, yeah. look, you've covered this beat a long time. That's not always been the case for Tennessee basketball. Big game, no. sure, but but I'm talking about night in and night out. It's not been the case. Uh, and I and I wrote this in, in the three two one on Monday. However, that's that's what I would remember most about this season. I mean, Tennessee had a good season. They're twenty three and seven. They finished second in the league. Uh, they finished top 10, you know, number nine today in the Associated Press poll. It's a good season. But what, what I'm going to remember, there, there were some nights in there in Thompson Bowl Arena where, it, I mean, it was really special. I mean, they play Arizona three games before Christmas. When stu- students aren't on campus, or Arizona, excuse me. No students on campus. The place is a madhouse. They beat what was in the number four team in the nation. They'll be a number one seed. Kentucky, I mean, they 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 ratcheted up for Kentucky pretty frequently, but it was it was as good as it gets. You know, students, it's a nine o'clock tip off. Students are outside lining up at Thompson Boulder at two o'clock, three in the afternoon, waiting to get in there. Auburn, the second half, Tennessee goes down by eleven. That's it's it's as it was as loud for as long as I remember for those eight or ten minutes where they they were coming back. And then it's a noon tip off against Arkansas. Maybe the crowd's down. No, it was a it was a frenzy. I mean, it was it was a snake pit. So those you know, the home that's what I'm going to remember about this season is the home the home court advantage that Tennessee enjoyed as the year went on. I think fans just really fell in love with this team. I'm going to remember thinking that for 90 percent of the Arizona game that the Kerr kid because it's on the back of the, the name on the back of the jersey was Kerr. I thought it was Steve Kerr's kid. <laughs> and in reality, that's his first name. You know, because Steve Kerr went to Arizona. But, uh, I, you know, you're right. I mean, the atmosphere, great. Uh, but, it's, you know, Thompson Bowling, you know, when, you know, as you said, Kentucky every year. But really when it's a big game, 
TBA becomes special. Uh, the last, you know, decade or so has been really, really good um, about getting up for those big games. But to me, it's Rob, it's about getting up for some of those mid-level games and, and still having a good atmosphere, uh, you know, because, you know, as you said, a team like Texas A&M, right around 500 league play, on any given night, if they play well, they can knock you off. Yeah. yeah it, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, you go back, Florida's not great this year. It was a it was a scene in there tonight, Tennessee beat Florida. Uh, it, just, it was a big, big crowd for Texas A&M, big crowd for Ole Miss. And it was just – I mean, it was. I think. I think the home team, the home crowd, had a love affair with this team. They really, you know, they they. This this is an easy team to root for. You well, know, do, do you home- think they fell more in love with them when they kind of started to like bond over like some of the brouhaha's like at Vanderbilt and stuff like? It? I, I know that they were there earlier in the year, but did you feel like that that was, you know, kind of where the, the the fans really kind of started to love on this team even more? Eh, I don't. I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know how much that resonated with. You know, people outside the hardcore fans, the Vanderbilt you know, thing. I mean, I, I think the pre pregame stuff with LSU, uh, I think that galvanized some people. I mean, this was late in the year, so I don't think it's why any of it happened. But when when they got that little uh, altercation in front of Kentucky's bench at the start of that game, I mean that that Thompson Bowling Arena went from a, a hostile environment to you know a borderline dangerous one for <laughs> for Kentucky. At that point in time, but but again, that's I thought that the fans were great this year, and I thought Coach Barnes, I thought that was a really nice gesture for him on Saturday after the game was over, after the handshake line was over, to to grab the microphone and and you know really a- acknowledge that and and, and kind of give back because because I I do think they were a huge factor. Well, and, and I mean, let's face it, I mean the Arizona game was pre Christmas, and that was a big time win. This is a team that's gotten better though. I mean, that's another thing that I think helps your fan base too is you get better as the season goes along. I mean, you, you know, you know, I mean, you, your, your brand of basketball got better. Your offensive production got better. You got more entertaining to watch as you developed your identity. All of those things, I think Rob contrib- contributes to a fan base falling in love with a basketball team and, and falling in love with any team out there is when you show growth and improvement and you can't look at this team and say that they did not, that they have not grown. I don't know what that'll mean, you know, this, this weekend in Tampa, I don't know what that'll mean in the NCAA tournament, but they are not the same basketball team they were in, in early part to mid-December or even the first part of January. They, they, they found a different gear, found different roles for guys, and uh, as a result, I think the fan base has, a, has appreciated this team for sure. Um, recruiting visitor in this past weekend for, for, for hoops. Uh, environment had to help there as well. Um, you still think transfer later this spring and, and then obviously working on, on 24s and 25s. What, what, what'd you make of the kid that was in this weekend? Yeah. Justin Edwards, uh, top 10 national prospect from, from Philadelphia. Give, give assistant coach Rod Clark a lot of credit for, for getting Tennessee in that one. Um, I mean, in, in there deep, I mean, he's, he's just a junior. So for him to take an official visit down to Tennessee this early in the process, uh, I think is a pretty strong indicator that, that the Vols are, are going to be a serious player. He's also officially visiting Kentucky. Has not visited Auburn yet. Talk, says that he would like to do that this spring or summer. Uh, hometown Villanova is going to be involved, but not really as, as much as some might think, just because of, of geography. Um, you know, Villanova has, has kind of a weird track record in, in recruiting their, their own city. It's not, you know, it's, I'll just say it's weird. I mean, just because a kid is local and from Philadelphia, he is by no means a slam dunk 
to end up uh, with Villanova. In fact, I would say if it's going to, you know, if, if he's going to stay up in the Northeast, I would say uh, UConn is probably more of a threat. But but right now, I mean, I I think he's he's not in any kind of hurry. But but I think Tennessee is going to be one of his final four. Really liked it this weekend. Really liked the staff. His mom and dad were both here. Obviously, as you mentioned, the environment was big time. And um, I think he appreciated the fact that Tennessee really, really made him feel like a priority. Um, I've kind of heard some rumblings that when he took his visit to Kentucky back in November, he got there on a, on a Friday. Kentucky had a game that weekend, a home game against, I don't know. I mean, it's it was, you know, some, some cupcake if they're playing at home in November. And maybe, maybe, the, the, maybe you know, the coaches didn't really – get out of their normal pregame routine that much and, and make him feel like he, he was a priority that weekend. Whereas I think Tennessee did I'm not saying that they put Arkansas on the back burner by any means, but they kind of incorporated his visit into, into their game prep and, and him and his family around behind the scenes and, and really got to see how things work while also having a lot of interaction. So a uh, big time player, big time recruit, you know, not the first one of these that Tennessee has gotten on, on campus in, in the last year or so. I want to say they had golly, four, four, maybe four McDonald's All-Americans on, on campus for official visits in the 22 class and, you know, weren't able to close with any of them. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can change the trend, but I do think they made a really strong impression on, on Edwards. Right. You let me know. You let me know, Rob. We'll head up to Philly, play Marion, close that uh, one out. Let me know. Uh, here you go. Find a, find a golf trip out of it. All right, last hoops question before we get into football recruiting stuff. Rob, can Tennessee play to the two line in, in, in the SEC tournament, or do you think they're they're pretty stock, pretty locked stock at, at the three line, but provided that they they win on Friday? And Hubbard, I don't really know. I mean, if, I mean, I know Lenardi's not the, not the best one, but his stuff is the most easily accessible. So that's when I, I ended up looking at a lot, and he's got Kentucky and Auburn as the top two two seeds. I mean, I think one of those. You know, unless Auburn, you know, loses on Friday, I think they're moving up. Kansas and Baylor right now are both ones. And I don't – you know, I think whoever does not win the Big 12 tournament will fall down to a two. So, I think Auburn or Kentucky is moving up. So, I mean, that means Tennessee would have to leapfrog in Lenardi's bracket. Not only, you know, a couple of three seeds in front of them, um, I think it's Villanova and Purdue, but they would also have to jump Wisconsin and Duke. To, to get up onto that two line, it to to me, I would think it is possible if they beat Kentucky and or Auburn and Arkansas in Tampa. But just you know, looking at all the bracketologists out there, it seems like maybe it's not as possible as I feel like it should be. So likely, so likely a three for Tennessee. We'll, we'll see. Depends on how the uh, how the conference tournaments go around the country and, and how the SEC tournament goes for Tennessee. I have a hard time seeing them drop much, though. I mean, I can't see them drop at all. Yeah, I mean, even if they lose on Friday, I have a hard time. I don't, seeing I don't see them dropping. Drop into a four. I Not guess with three, three yeah. top five wins yeah, on the year. I, I just think their resume's too good. I think no, they're solid at the three. No, no losses outside the quad one. I mean, that's that's one thing. If you look at their bracket, and I, I think somebody on the message board on the GQ may have posted this as well today, but I was looking at it in, in some of my research. When you look at losses, you know. Tennessee and, and Gonzaga are really the only two teams in the country that don't have a bad one all year long. I mean, Tennessee has seven, but none of them were just slappies, you know, and I think Texas Tech was probably the only one where they were a favorite, and even that was, I bet, like, you know, two or three points that night. 
Yeah, it certainly was. All right, Austin, big basketball environment on Saturday. Tennessee has a big junior day. We talked to a lot of juniors and sophomores and guys who were in town. They enjoyed the basketball environment for sure. Everybody wants to know first and foremost about uh, where Tennessee stands at the quarterback position with Nico and the entire family that were in for um, three or four days here. I know you had a chance to visit with him. Everybody's seen the interview uh, on the site. What are your what are your takeaways um, about that visit and what's next? What's the next move in his recruitment? Well, he's going to take a lot more visits. You know, he's going to go back to Oregon. He's going to come back to Tennessee, uh, may go to Georgia, may go to Alabama, um, you know, and we'll see if anybody else pops up. But, I mean, he's he's got a busy uh, next six to eight weeks ahead of him. And so, um, I, again, I don't think Tennessee could have done any better than they did. I think they knocked it out of the park. I think they had a home run. Uh, it doesn't mean they're the leader. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're the team to beat. It just means that, you know, Tennessee is a – is as in a good a shape as they can be in at this point in time. Um, you know, with that said, you know, I think all this comes down to the return trips, the return trip to Oregon, the return trip to Tennessee, and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, I, I think that this decision is probably made by the end of April, uh, based off people I talk to. And, uh, you know, I think Tennessee's right there in it. Do you think that'll be official visits on this next go-around of trips? No. You think they'll, all, they'll, they'll be regular unofficial visits? I think they'll be regular unofficial visits. It's Oregon versus the – I mean, Oregon versus the South. Is this what this is? I mean, Ohio yeah. State, the, the Midwest schools are not not in the picture at this point. I mean, Ohio State's trying, um, but it just doesn't seem like that they're a real – he went up there, you know, nine months ago. Um, right. You know, but it just doesn't seem like they're a real factor – um, so yeah, it kind of does shape up that way. The one thing that has been the constant, whether, you know, for, you know, from, you know, everybody involved, um, for months now is the notion that he wants to play in the SEC. I mean, that's something, you know, that I've been told by, you know, people over there close to the situation. I know that people close to the situation have told that to, to other, uh, you know, analysts, you know, uh, that, that cover recruiting that, and so that's where to me, like the, the, the Oregon stuff kind of hits a little bit of a wall is you can't want to play in the SEC and then go to Oregon, you know, like, like, you know, that's, that's the, that's the hard part for me is like trying to wrap my head around, you know, is everybody just pegging him to Oregon because of the Polynesian pipeline and they've had, they have that culture up there or what? I mean, that, that, that's kind of where I'm, you know, struggling more so with it than anything else. But I mean, I think Tennessee's right there again. I don't think they could have done any better than they did this weekend you know, to have, you know, them for Thursday night all the way through Monday morning um, and have them set up for all these different things, um, kudos. Well, I mean, look, they, they chanted his name at the basketball game. I think they chanted his name at the softball game. The Rocks painted for him. I mean, from, from the PR standpoint, it was everything was on point. Tennessee theater sign. What does, what does, what does Nico like about Tennessee football? Because at some point it goes beyond – the chance at a basketball arena. It goes beyond the signs and those things. What is it at the core at the end of the day in your, your visits with him that appeals that that appeals to him about Tennessee football? I think part of Nico likes the the challenge of not being just the next guy at Alabama or, you know, so on and so forth. I think he likes to, you know, create his own path. I mean, I think he is, um, you know, a different kid in that regard. I think he's cut from a different cloth. Um I think he loves Joey Halsley, loves Josh Heupel, loves the offense. Um, and, and then I just feel like, you know, has enjoyed 
getting to see how they would develop him. They've talked a lot about development this weekend. You know, that's more so than other schools have talked with him about development and then how they would, you know, you know, use certain things to, you know, bring out the best parts of his game. Um, so, you know, I think that's the biggest reason why Nico is kind of, you know, big on Tennessee right now is just how they've recruited him, plus all the other flash. You're going to get the flash no matter where you go, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Tennessee Tech, for that matter. They're going to show, they're going to show you what they have to offer, um, the best they have to offer. Um, but it comes down to, you know, you know, relationships and, and talking development and talking about, you know, how they'll use you and, and you know, the offense that you're going to play and all those other things that are on the field. All right, let's talk. Give me, give me four or give me three or four other highlights from no. from junior day. Well, I mean, Jeremiah T. Lander, Tennessee, obviously made a move there. Um, you know, I think Tennessee did well with Christian Conyer. Um, you know, I, I don't know about Jamal Jarrett. He's a big kid. I'm not sure Tennessee's going to push real hard there. I'm not sure he's a fit in the defensive scheme here. Um, but, I mean, you can't, you know, can't beat size. Tennessee – and Rodney Gardner are all in on Nathan Robinson. I mean, you know, put on 30 pounds since the end of the season. He's up to 268 and and looking like a million dollars. So, you know, the full speed ahead there. Um, how, many, how many is that now? That was three. Um, uh, let's see. I, I'll go with a guy. Um, did brief. Name escapes me. Um, oh. Defensive lineman. Talk to him. Uh, Weathersby. Yes, Tyree Weathersby. There you go. You got me. Um, wow. Too many names. Too many names. That's, um, that, that's the kid from North Carolina, right? That is correct. And, uh, you know, uh, Tennessee, I think, made a nice move there. He was uh, uh, you know, very much glowing about the balls when he left campus. All right. So, Tennessee now has a receivers coach, Kelsey yep. Pope. Um, Rob, jump on in here, too. Thoughts on, on this hire from Josh Heupel, first and foremost, before we dive into what it might mean in terms of some wide receiver recruiting, just your overall thoughts on this selection from Josh Heupel. Well, I think it's the the, the comfortable hire. Um, he knows Kelsey Pope. He's known him since he interviewed him at UCF, worked with him for the last year, um, feels very comfortable with him. Um, Pope, you know, knows the offense. I think that goes a long way. The question is, and you said this on the board, is recruiting. And, again, nobody knows until they get their shot. You know, I mean – Every year there's names that pop up that Tennessee's going after at this position or that position, and I'm, you know, going, okay, I've never heard of this guy before. Then you start looking at the resume and you go, oh, okay, he's done some nice things. So, you know, who's to say Kelsey Pope can't be that guy going forward? How hungry is, is he as a recruiter? He better be really hungry because, you know, Josh Heupel's giving him a real opportunity here to uh, accelerate himself, you know, out there uh, – kind of in his uh, career arc. And so, um, you know, for me, like I expect, you know, him to be someone who is beating the bushes and out there uh, trying to wear out recruiting as much as anybody. Yeah, Hubbard, I just – I mean, I just feel like Heupel deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to staff hires. I mean, with what we've seen and, and more important – or maybe more the point, what we saw prior to him when it was pretty obvious even before Jeremy Pruitt's first season was halfway over that there was tension galore. And, and I, you know, I don't think any of us have, have felt any of that during, during Josh's time here. And, you know, with, with the budget that, that he's been providing with the money Danny White's thrown out there to make staff hires, you have to think that if he wanted to, to go after a bigger name or a more established name, that the resources were there to do that. So I'm, I'm like AP. I mean, I think this comes down to comfortability 
and it makes me think that that Heupel really has a lot of confidence that that Pope is ready for the challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, this league's tough in recruiting. I mean, they can gobble you up. Um, so, so we'll see how he does with that. I mean, Austin, from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, I think if Cody Burns were here or anybody else were, I think it was going to be hard to get Carnell Tate. So I'm not going to hold Carnell Tate over Kelsey Pope. I mean, I, I don't – if Carnell Tate doesn't – Tennessee doesn't factor there anymore, I, I don't – I'm not going to say big, huge red flag for, for Kelsey Pope there because I don't think Tennessee was going to ultimately get him. The question becomes, who do they get involved with in, in recruiting in, in state? Where does it go? Where are some other names? Because this board is going to shift for, from where it was with Cody Burns, which was a very small board, it looked like. Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to see what he thinks about a guy like Shamar Porter. You know, Cody Burns was never high on Shamar Porter. I think Josh Heupel is much higher on Shamar Porter. You know, the, the Tennessee get back involved there. We talked about, you know, him potentially looking around. You know, they try to get him to campus over here. Obviously, Justin Brown. I think Noah Rogers makes more sense than a guy like, you know, Kyler Casper, just because Casper's in Arizona. I mean, you know, I mean, when Noah Rogers is in North Carolina. So, you know, what what does Tennessee do at that wide receiver spot? And then who comes in camps this summer? You know, I mean, you know, you just got to who, – who Tennessee was after last March and April and who they were after in June and July are two different things. Yeah, well, I mean, great example from the camp standpoint is Chaz Nimrod – Nobody knew who he was. He camps. He gets an offer. He signs. He's a guy who's made a little noise the last few weeks. We'll see what he looks like when, when spring practice uh, rolls around. And, and you know, those boards are always ever-changing at, at every position. So staff is complete for Tennessee. Um, at some point, we'll see what the staff salaries look like for this, for this coaching staff because we do believe guys are getting raises, but uh, nothing seems to be finalized at this point. We know Danny White likes to do that in the summertime, but one would think that's got to get done sooner than that with the football staff, but we'll see how that plays out. We will get to see, if we think, a little bit of spring practice. Uh, the, the first week of spring will probably be pretty open, and then I think we're going to get the opportunity to, to see the scrimmage on April the 9th after Tennessee announces all vol day or all vol weekend that's going to take place in, in the Humanities Plaza as there is no official uh, formal spring game to be played this year. No surprise there that just facility-wise it wouldn't work out. Uh, so that'll be family and, and recruiting day. Uh, hopefully the media will get to see that. And as fans, you're going to get an opportunity to see it on a big screen uh, in the Humanities Plaza. That's the only place you're going to see it. It will not be on the SEC network, won't be streamed on UT Sports or anything else like that. So we'll see. How this we'll send Ben. We'll send Ben and Eric over to sign some autographs. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how that uh, we'll, how we'll that plays. Ben and there. Eric over. You remember that one Seinfeld video where, where Kramer had the buddy they were that was bootlegging the, the movies. He, he he took a little camcorder <laughs> in, was filming inside the movie theater. That's a, that's what we're going to do with Ben and Ben and Eric. <laughs> we can't send we can't send Austin over to Humanities because I mean it'll create a traffic jam. I mean, too much look, of a distraction. Oh, uh, they'll be camp, they'll be camped out for days. You know, here's what Austin would do that at the Humanities Plaza. Maybe we do this. Maybe we have a recruiting chat, like a two-hour recruiting chat with Austin while he chips and putts off the Humanities lawn. Into the fountain there at Humanities, AP. What do you think? With the Masters music playing since it's uh, Masters weekend? Yeah. How, what do you think? We can, we, you can pull that off. We won't let you watch the scrimmage. We'll just put you over there chipping and putting, talking. Recruiting. Only if we chopper him in and out, Hubbard. <laughs> if that's the case, then I will. I will find a way to hack in and set one 
the big screens up to the masters. <laughs> You'll have one big screen on the masters <laughs> and a drone flying over, over, uh, the, over the practice facility to get your own angles to things. So uh, we, we will see. Finally, there's no more questions about what they're going to do, how it plays off. We'll see. Uh, what it becomes, you know, we'll see. But it, but Tennessee has announced what they're going to do in regards to the spring game, and that'll take place on April the 9th. In the meantime, you got Tennessee baseball, red hot, played well in tech, in Houston. Uh, we got coverage of them all weekend, all week long, and we've got coverage of Tennessee and basketball uh, at the SEC tournament in Tampa coming up Friday night at 6 o'clock. Plenty more recruiting coverage coming up. Um, throughout the week from junior day. You never know when somebody else might make news or might not make news. We'll have to see. Austin, I forgot to even ask you, the transfer from Georgia Tech, nickel guy, in-state, private school guy. I mean, Tennessee, I mean we've done 30-minute podcasts. I haven't talked about the commitments to, that Tennessee picked up in, in Spielman um, and the transfer from, from, from Georgia Tech. What's your takeaway there? Well, with Walker, um, you know, a guy that's got 96 career tackles in 23 games, got versatility, can play really any of the three positions. We'll start him at nickel. We'll see what happens after that. Um, but that's kind of where Tennessee goes from there. I mean, it's just added depth. Um, a guy that I think has got some experience as a smart player. Um, you know, and we'll see. I, you know, I'm not seeing him since high school, so I don't know what kind of speed he's added or or what. Um, and then with Nate Spillman, um, obviously a bigger receiver who uh, – you know, I think can help the program over time, um, but not a, not an instant impact guy at all. But helps with his brother, who's obviously going to be a top yes. big time player as well. That's not the only reason they did that, I don't think, but it certainly is not is a factor because those two are very very close, and and most people believe that ultimately they're going to end up playing together in college. Now, the crazy things have happened, but that's certainly what it feels like at that. Rob Lewis, if you went to the combine, what what are you going to run based on the times you've seen this week? Are you a sub five guy? You going maybe, four seven? Maybe may, may, I could probably I, I I would be I could probably be a sub five hover, except I probably would tear a hamstring 20, <laughs> 20 yards in. We think they're running thirty eights or thirty sevens instead of forties. Is going on up there? That's the fastest track ever up there. No, I mean, hey, look, hats off to Vailus Jones and Alante Taylor, but I mean the 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 times everybody around the country put up. I'm going to be very curious to see. Hey, no, these guys aren't going to run any more 40s. But no. I'm, going be, I'm going to be interested to see kind of if how those numbers translate in terms of once you go on to team individual workouts, if the buzz around some of those kids that were really fast at the 40 time continues once they get into their, their private team workouts and stuff that are coming for those guys. But uh, there's no doubt that Alante Taylor needed to run a good time. He did. That will gain him lots of attention with lots of teams. Same for Bayless Jones as well. Matthew Butler with a solid showing. I think Cade Mays had a real showing up there as well. And, and all four of those guys seem to help themselves at the NFL Combine. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast on this Tuesday. Don't forget, plenty of coverage coming up on all things at VolQuest.com. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.